0: Book one chapter eleven of the Return of the Native by Thomas Hardy This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox.org. Book one The Three Women Chapter eleven The Dishonesty of an Honest Woman the reddlemen had left Eustacia's presence with desponding views on thomason's future happiness but he was awakened to the fact that one other channel remained untried by seeing as he followed the way to his van the form of mrs Yobright slowly walking towards the quiet woman he went across to her and could almost perceive in her anxious face that this journey of hers to wildeve was undertaken with the same object as his own to Eustacia. "'She did not conceal the fact.' "'Then,' said the Redman,
1: "'you may as well leave it alone, Mrs. Yalbright.'
2: "'I half think so myself,' she said. "'But nothing else remains to be done, "'besides pressing the question upon him.'
1: "'I should like to say a word first, said Van firmly. "'Mr. Wildeve is not the only man "'who has asked Thomason to marry him. "'And why should not another have a chance?' mrs yowbright i should be glad to marry your niece and would have done it any time these last two years there now it is out and i have
0: never told anybody before but herself mrs yowbright was not demonstrative but her eyes involuntarily glanced towards his singular though shapely figure looks are not everything said the Redman, noticing the glance there's many a calling that
1: don't bring in so much as mine if it comes to money and perhaps i am not so much worse off than wild eve there is nobody so poor as these professional fellows who have failed and if you shouldn't like my redness well i am not red by birth you know i only took to this business for a freak
2: and i might turn my hand to something else in good time i am much obliged to you for the interest in my niece but i fear there would be objections more than that she is devoted to this man true or i shouldn't have done what i have this morning otherwise there would be no pain in the case and you would not see me going to his house now what was thomason's answer when you told her of your feelings
1: she wrote that you would object to me and other things
2: she was in a measure right you must not take this unkindly i merely state it as a truth you have been good to her and we do not forget it but as she was unwilling on her own account to be your wife that settles the point without my wishes being concerned yes but there
1: is a difference between then and now ma'am she is distressed now and i have thought that if you were to talk to her about me and think favourably of me yourself there might be a chance of winning her round and getting her quite independent of this wild eve's backward and forward play and his not knowing whether he'll have her
0: or no mrs Yobright shook her head
2: Thomasin thinks and i think with her that she ought to be wild eve's wife if she means to appear before the world without a slur upon her name if they marry soon everybody will believe that an accident did really prevent the wedding if not it may cast a shade upon her character at any rate make her ridiculous in short if it is anyhow possible they must marry now
1: i thought that till half an hour ago but after all why should her going off with him to englebury for a few hours do her any harm Anybody who knows how pure she is will feel any such thought to be quite unjust. I have been trying this morning to help on this marriage with Wild Eve. Yes, I, ma'am, and the belief that I ought to do it because she was so wrapped up in him. But I much question if I was right after all.
0: However, nothing came of it. And now I offer myself... Mrs. Showbright appeared disinclined to enter further into the question.
2: I fear I must go on, she said. I do not see that anything else can be done. And
0: she went on. But though this conversation did not divert Thomason's aunt from her purposed interview with Wildeve, it made a considerable difference in her mode of conducting that interview. She thanked God for the weapon which the redelman had put into her hands. Wildeve was at home when she reached the inn. He showed her silently into the parlour, and closed the door. Mrs. Yobright began.
2: I have thought it my duty to call to-day. A new proposal has been made to me, which has rather astonished me. It will affect Thomasin greatly, and I have decided that it should at least be mentioned to you. Yes?
0: What is it? He said, civilly.
2: It is, of course, in reference to her future. You may not be aware that another man has shown himself anxious to marry Thomasin now though i have not encouraged him yet i cannot conscientiously refuse him a chance any longer i don't wish to be short with you but i must be fair to him and to her who is the man
0: said wild eve with surprise
2: one who has been in love with her longer than she has with you he proposed to her two years ago at that time she refused him well he has seen her lately and has asked me for permission to pay his addresses to her she may not refuse him twice
0: what is his name mrs YoBright declined to say
2: he is a man thomasin likes and one whose constancy she respects at least it seems to me that what she refused then she would be glad to get now she is much annoyed at her awkward position she never once told me of this old lover the gentlest women are not such fools as to show every card well if she wants him i suppose she must have him it is easy enough to say that but you don't see the difficulty he wants her much more than she wants him, and before I can encourage anything of the sort, I must have a clear understanding from you that you will not interfere to injure an arrangement which I promote in the belief that it is for the best. Suppose when they are engaged, and everything is smoothly arranged for their marriage, that you should step between them and renew your suit. You might not win her back, but you might cause much unhappiness.
3: "'Of course I should do no such thing,' said Wild Eve. But they are not engaged yet. How do you
2: know that Thomasin would accept him? That's a question I have carefully put to myself, and upon the whole the probabilities are in favour of her accepting him in time. I flatter myself that I have some influence over her. She is pliable, and I can be strong in my recommendations of him. And in your disparagement of me at the same time? Well, you may depend upon my not praising you.
0: She said, dryly
2: and if this seems like manoeuvring you must remember that her position is peculiar and that she has been hardly used i shall also be helped in making the match by her own desire to escape from the humiliation of her present state and a woman's pride in these cases will lead her a very great way a little managing may be required to bring her round but i am equal to that provided that you agree to the one thing indispensable that is to make a distinct declaration that she is to think no more of you as a possible husband that will pique her into accepting him
3: i can hardly say that just now mrs yeobright
2: it's so sudden and so my whole plan is interfered with it is very inconvenient that you refuse to help my family even to the small extent of saying distinctly you will have nothing to do with us
0: wildeve reflected
3: uncomfortably i confess i was not prepared for this he said of course i'll give her up if you wish if it is necessary but i thought i might be her husband we have heard that before "'Now, Mrs. Yobright, don't let us disagree. "'Give me fair time. "'I don't want to stand in the way of any better chance she may have. "'Only I wish you'd let me know earlier. "'I will write to you or call in a day or two.
2: "'Will that suffice?' "'Yes,'
3: she replied.
2: "'Provided you promise not to communicate with Thomasin "'without my knowledge.'
0: "'I
2: promise that,'
0: he said. And the interview then terminated. Mrs. YoBright returning homeward as she had come. By far the greatest effect of her simple strategy on that day was, as often happens, in a quarter quite outside her view when arranging it. In the first place, her visit sent Wild Eve the same evening after dark to Eustacia's house at Mistover. At this hour, the lonely dwelling was closely blinded and shuttered from the chill and darkness without. Wildeve's clandestine plan with her was to take a little gravel in his hand and hold it to the crevice at the top of the window-shutter, which was on the outside, so that it should fall with a gentle rustle resembling that of a mouse between shutter and glass. This precaution in attracting her attention was to avoid arousing the suspicions of her grandfather. The soft words,
4: I hear. Wait for me.
0: In Eustacia's voice from within told him that she was alone he waited in his customary manner by walking round the enclosure and idling by the pool for wild eve was never asked into the house by his proud though condescending mistress she showed no sign of coming out in a hurry the time wore on and he began to grow impatient in the course of twenty minutes she appeared from round the corner and advanced as if merely taking an airing YOU WOULD NOT HAVE KEPT ME SO LONG HAD YOU KNOWN WHAT I COME ABOUT, HE SAID WITH
3: BITTERNESS. STILL YOU ARE WORTH WAITING FOR.
4: WHAT HAS HAPPENED?
3: SAID Eustacia.
4: I DID NOT KNOW YOU WERE IN TROUBLE. I TOO AM gloomy ENOUGH.
3: I AM NOT IN TROUBLE, SAID HE. IT IS MERELY THAT AFFAIRS HAVE COME TO A HEAD, AND I MUST TAKE A CLEAR COURSE.
4: WHAT COURSE IS THAT?
3: HE ASKED WITH ATTENTIVE INTEREST. AND CAN YOU FORGET SO SOON WHAT I PROPOSED TO YOU THE OTHER NIGHT? WHY TAKE YOU FROM THIS PLACE, AND CARRY YOU AWAY WITH ME ABROAD?
4: I HAVE NOT FORGOTTEN. BUT WHY HAVE YOU COME SO UNEXPECTEDLY TO REPEAT THE QUESTION, WHEN YOU ONLY PROMISED TO COME NEXT SATURDAY? I THOUGHT I WAS TO HAVE plenty OF TIME TO CONSIDER.
3: YES, BUT THE SITUATION IS DIFFERENT NOW.
4: EXPLAIN TO ME.
3: I DON'T WANT TO EXPLAIN, FOR I MAY PAIN YOU.
4: But I must know the reason of this hurry.
3: It is simply my ardour, dear Eustacia. Everything is smooth now.
4: Then why are you so ruffled?
3: I am not aware of it. All is as it should be. Mrs. Yeobright, but she is nothing to us.
4: Ah, I knew she had something to do with it. Come, I don't like reserve.
3: No, she has nothing. She only says she wishes me to give up Thomasin because another man is anxious to marry her. The woman, now she no longer needs me, actually shows off.
0: Wildive's vexation had escaped him in spite of himself. Eustacia was silent a long while.
4: You are in the awkward position of an official who is no longer wanted.
0: She said in a changed tone. It seems
3: so. But I have not yet seen Thomasin.
4: And that irritates you. Don't deny it, Damon. You are actually nettled by this slight from an unexpected quarter. Well? and you come to get me, because you cannot get her. This is certainly a new position altogether. I am to be a stopgap.
3: Please
0: remember that I proposed the same thing the other day. Meustatia again remained in a sort of stupefied silence. What curious feeling was this coming over her? Was it really possible that her interest in Wildeve had been so entirely the result of antagonism that the glory and the dream departed from the man with the first sound that he was no longer coveted by her rival? She was then secure of him at last. Thomas had no longer required him. What a humiliating victory! He loved her best, she thought, and yet, dared she to murmur such treacherous criticism ever so softly what was the man worth whom a woman inferior to herself did not value the sentiment which lurked more or less in all animate nature that of not desiring the undesired of others was lively as a passion in the super-subtle epicurean heart of eustacia her social superiority over him which hitherto had scarcely ever impressed her became unpleasantly insistent and for the first time She felt that she had stooped in loving him. "'Well, darling, do you agree?' said Wild Eve.
4: "'If it could be London, or even Budmouth, instead of America!'
0: she murmured languidly.
4: "'Well, I will think. It is too great a thing for me to decide offhand. I wish I hated the Heath less, or loved you more.'
3: "'You can be painfully frank. You loved me a month ago warmly enough to go anywhere with me.'
4: and you loved thomasin
3: yes perhaps that was where the reason lay he returned with almost a sneer i don't hate her now
4: exactly the only thing is that you can no longer get her
3: come no taunts Eustacia, or we shall quarrel if you don't agree to go with me and agree shortly i shall go by myself
4: or try thomasin again damon how strange it seems that you could have married her or me indifferently and only have come to me because i am cheapest yes yes it is true there was a time when i should have exclaimed against a man of that sort and been quite wild but it is all past now
3: will you go dearest come secretly with me to bristol marry me and turn our backs upon this dog-hole of england for ever
0: say yes
4: i want to get away from here at almost any cost
0: she said, with weariness.
4: But I don't like to go with you. Give me more time to decide.
0: I have already, said Wild Eve.
3: Well, I give you one more week.
4: A little longer, so that I may tell you decisively. I have to consider so many things. Fancy Thomason being anxious to get rid of you. I cannot forget it.
3: Never mind that. Say Monday week. I will be here precisely at this time.
4: Let it be at Rainbarrow said she this is too near home my grandfather may be walking out
3: thank you dear on monday week at this time i will be at the barrow till then good-bye
4: good-bye no no you must not touch me now shaking hands is enough till i have made up my mind
0: eustacia watched his shadowy form till it had disappeared she placed her hand to her forehead and breathed heavily and then her rich romantic lips parted under that homely impulse, a yawn. She was immediately angry at having betrayed even to herself the possible evanescence of her passion for him. She could not admit at once that she might have overestimated Wildeaf, for to perceive his mediocrity now was to admit her own great folly heretofore and the discovery that she was the owner of a disposition so purely that of the dog in the manger had something in it which at first made her ashamed the fruit of mrs yo diplomacy was indeed remarkable though not as yet of the kind she had anticipated it had appreciably influenced wildeve but it was influencing eustacia far more her lover was no longer to her an exciting man whom many women strove for and herself could only retain by striving with them he was a superfluity she went indoors in that peculiar state of misery which is not exactly grief and which especially attends the dawnings of reason in the latter days of an ill-judged transient love to be conscious that the end of the dream is approaching And yet has not absolutely come is one of the most wearisome as well as the most curious stages along the course between the beginning of a passion and its end her grandfather had returned and was busily engaged in pouring some gallons of newly arrived rum into the square bottles of his square cellaret whenever these home supplies were exhausted he would go to the quiet woman and standing with his back to the fire grog in hand tell remarkable stories of how he had lived seven years under the water-line of his ship and other naval wonders to the natives who hoped too earnestly for a treat of ale from their teller to exhibit any doubts of his truth he had been there this evening
2: i suppose you have heard the egdon news eustacia
0: he said without looking up from the bottles
2: the men have been talking about it at the woman as if it were of national importance.
4: I have heard none, she said.
2: Young Clem Yobright, as they call him, is coming home next week to spend Christmas with his mother. He is a fine fellow by this time, it seems. I suppose you
4: remember him. I never saw him in my life.
2: Ah, true. He left before you came here. I well remember him as a promising boy.
4: Where has he been living all these years? In
2: that rookery of pomp and vanity, Paris, I believe.
0: End of Book One Chapter Eleven End of Book One